Good morning and welcome back. This is Tommy Ray, and we're in episode eight of Water Rights, Laws, Guns, and Money. In episode five, we talked about the NIST project that 15 northern Colorado cities and water districts are participating in. NISP stands for Northern Integrated Supply Project and is composed of two reservoirs, Glade, just northwest of Fort Collins, and Galton, north and east of Greeley. The biggest share of NISP water will go to Erie, committed to 6,500 acre-feet, and the smallest share of 1,250 acre-feet will go to the city of Decono. The work is being led by Northern Colorado Water Conservancy District, also known as Northern Water. Each participating city is paying its proportionate share of the costs of planning, designing, and building the project, if it ever gets permitted and built. Remember, NISP has been in the permitting stage for 17 years. 17. Doesn't that seem ridiculous to you? It does to me. I believe we should change the rules on EPA slash federal permitting. Give permitting a reasonable time to gather the environmental data and analyze it. Is this three years? Five years? Well, surely seven years should be sufficient. Then make a decision. There should be a law that environmental groups or other opposers cannot bring a lawsuit to stop the project after a stated period of time. Again, maybe five or seven years. It seems to me that the reason things take so long is because opposers wait, and then just before a decision is to be made, they file another lawsuit. Their thinking may be, if we drag it out long enough, maybe things will just be dropped. That should be stopped. Seven years should be enough time for anyone to bring forward arguments against a project. After that time, no more lawsuits should be allowed against any project that has to receive a federal permit. NISP is interesting. NISP was conceived to clip some of the high-flow runoffs of the pooter during the spring snowmelt. This is the time of the year the rivers are raging and the irrigation season is not on full tilt. The plan was to take as much excess water as possible through one of the existing headgates above Fort Collins and divert that good, clean water into Glade. Seemed to make sense. Otherwise, that high-quality mountain fresh water would rush right on down the pooter and eventually make it to the Gulf of Mexico. I like the concept, but as with anything, there are probably unintended consequences. One of the unintended consequences is that it lowers the high runoff in the pooter. High runoff in rivers has a flushing effect on the river and may be good for the fish. I am not a biologist and can't speak to that issue. But the environmentalists do consult with biologists and others that see lowering the spring runoff as a bad thing for the river. Yep, it might not be such a good thing for the river, 
But those 15 cities see the future, and that future is growth and more growth. And all 15 city planners are trying to do what they were hired to do. Make sure the cities have the resources needed to meet that growth. To complicate matters, they are under political pressure not to buy and dry. Whoa, what a position to be in. So where are they going to get the water? I can think of only one place. But let's continue discussing the NISP plan so you will understand where it stands and its chances for success. The original idea to catch the high spring runoff seems to have morphed into convincing the Larimer Weld Irrigation Company to allow Glade to divert one-third of its clean, fresh ag diversions into Glade. In that way, most of the high spring runoff will not be clipped and the pooter will still be running rampant in the spring. With an agreement with the Larimer Weld in place, most of the water which would flow into Glade would come from water rights owned by the Larimer Weld Irrigation Company. So what is the Larimer Weld Irrigation Company? Remember, there are four major diverters along the pooter. From north to south, those ag diverters are, one, the North Pooter Irrigation Company. 75% of the shares of North Pooter Irrigation Company are already owned by cities. Two, Water Supply and Storage Company. Thornton has bought almost half the irrigated farms under this ditch system to get good, clean water. Three, then the Larimer and Well Ditch Company, which has had very few of its water rights transferred to municipal use. I don't think any have been transferred. And finally, the new cash, or Cash Lapooter Irrigating Company, which is below Fort Collins Wastewater Treatment Plant and not as desirable as the others. So, it's understandable why NISP is trying to work with the Larimer Weld Ditch Company. If NISP can convince the Larimer Weld to let them take one-third of their good, clean water just after it is diverted off the river, Glade could be filled and the 15 cities will be happy. All would be good in the land of Oz. But what about those farmers owned down the Larimer Well Ditch? Won't they be shortchanged by that amount of water? Yes, they would be, but that is where Galton Reservoir comes in. By the way, both Glade and Galton are off-stream reservoirs, meaning those potential reservoir sites are in dry drainages that will have to have lots of earthwork done to contain the water. Galton will be filled each year by water taken out of the Platte near Kersey and pumped 10 miles north into Galton Reservoir. Kersey is east of Greeley about five or six miles. There's a lot of water in the Platte near Kersey and NISP has filed to exchange water into Galton. The water in the Platte at Kersey is not mountain fresh water. In fact, it is about 1,200 parts per million TDS. Remember, that's total dissolved solids. The salts come mainly from city street runoffs 
and fertilizers used on farms. That water is not good for a city supply for drinking water, but should be sufficient to grow crop. Well, that's the plan anyway. Water stored in Gelton will essentially replace the one-third of the diversions at the headgate taken into Glade, the clean reservoir. The water from Gelton will be pumped back up about one-third the way up the ditch and put in the ditch so those farmers on the tail end of the ditch will continue to get all the water they ever got. However, the quality may be suspect. Not sure yet. Gelton is a shallow reservoir with a large surface area. Perfect for lots of evaporation. And water that evaporates will leave behind the salts it was carrying. Will the water in Gelton continue to get more salty over the years as it operates? Maybe, maybe not because water from the Platte will be continually filling Galton and essentially flushing out any salts left behind. There may not be a problem with salinity issues in Galton, but I wouldn't bet my farm on it. Will the water get so salty as to not be able to grow crops? Only time will tell. NISP seems like a good way to go. There continues to be issues with Northern Water's ability to carry out the project. I don't think agreement has been reached with the Lehrman Well Ditch to actually implement this plan. And there has to be agreement with the ditch to divert one-third of the water coming through the headgate into Glade and replace it with water coming from Gelton. Seems that agreement should have been the first thing to get in place before spending millions on design and permitting the project. And what if I'm a farmer on the lower one-third of the ditch that will be getting a much lower quality water on my farm? Does this lower quality water impact the equity I have in my farm? If a city comes knocking on doors along the ditch to make a deal for reallocation of waters in the ditch, Will they go to the upper two-thirds of the ditch farmers and deal with them first since they're still getting high-quality water to irrigate their farms? Will the upper two-thirds get a higher price for their water than the farmers on the bottom one-third? I know the people at Northern. They are great guys, but it seems to me the previous management of Northern Water started down the path of NISP convinced themselves that it was a workable solution, and on the surface it does look like a great way to go, and began selling the concept to the public at large. But farmers are smart, and the lawyers representing the ditch company are even smarter. Maybe they figured out that without their permission, NISP is going nowhere. Do the Lehrman Wells shareholders expect something different? or maybe more money? Money is always a driver. After 17 years, no permits, and no sure way to exchange the clean water up front for the saltier water down ditch, will this project continue to move forward? I hope to interview some of the managers of the NISP project and let them explain 
where this project stands and get their opinions on the likelihood the project will ever come into being. Maybe at a smaller size? I don't know. I feel for the backers of the NISP project. From my perspective, it may never go. I think that Northern Water is now buying some farms under the Larimer Weld Irrigation Company, so they have at least some water. They promote this as water secure. I've heard representatives of Northern discuss water secure, but we'll have to dig deeper to understand it. The latest cost estimates I've seen for NISP are $1.1 billion, and the 15 participating cities will be getting a total of 40,000 acre-feet from the project. Water is expensive. That's roughly 30,000 an acre-foot. Well, that seems to be cheaper than the cost of buying ag water and getting it transferred through water courts. Why not just stick with the big projects like NISP? Well, if you are a land developer and need water for your project, maybe you can't wait for NISP. And cities want to increase their water reserves as time moves on. So what is ag water selling for? Of course, it depends on seniority, water quality, location, etc. It's like asking, what is an acre of ground worth? Well, you have to ask, where is it? Downtown Denver? Farm ground near Sterling? What's it zoned for? Etc. Same for water. Very junior water rights might sell for 2,000 an acre foot. And if they're located away from the proposed place of use, even less. The most desired water right in northern Colorado is CBT shares. CBT stands for Colorado Big Thompson. Those sell for about $90,000 an acre foot today. In the late 1970s, they were selling for less than $1,000 an acre foot. Why are those so valuable, and why has their price skyrocketed? To answer this, we have to talk about the Northern Colorado Water Conservancy District, also known as Northern Water. It is fascinating. I love water rights. They are history, politics, money, engineering, and legal all rolled into one. And more recently, environmental concerns have become a major part of water rights. I most love the history part. You all know that the Dust Bowl days were in the 1930s. Major drought combined with the Depression. The Depression forced farmers to till more ground so they could make more crops and hopefully sell more to avoid foreclosure. But this was counterproductive. More and more farmers were doing the same thing. Oversupply resulted. Prices kept falling. Busting up more sod to grow more crops. Mother Nature was brutal during that time. Little or no rainfall and big windstorms. The result was that millions of acres of good topsoil that had been busted up now literally blew away. Colorado, Oklahoma, and the Texas Panhandle seemed to be the epicenter 
of this disaster. That was a horrible time for farmers. If only they had more water. Farmers in Colorado knew there was a lot of water just west of the Continental Divide at the headwaters of the Colorado River. Gee, if we could just move some of that water to the eastern plains, we could supplement the native water already on this side of the divide and maybe forestall another dust bowl, at least in the northern Colorado area. Farmers looked at maps and dreamed. It's only 13 miles from high up on the Big Thompson River to Grand Lake at the headwaters of the Colorado River. Why not just drill a big tunnel through the mountains and tap into this source of water? Dreams began to crystallize into plans on paper and maps and drawings. In late 1933, leaders in northern Colorado organized the Grand Lake Committee, which later became the Northern Colorado Water Conservancy District. Of course, this was going to cost a lot of money, particularly during the Great Depression. But they were persistent, and with help from Senator Alva B. Adams, lobbied the Reclamation Service, that's the predecessor of the Bureau of Reclamation, for money and help to build the project. I'm not sure of the politics, but remember this was the Great Depression and President Roosevelt was looking for ways to spend money on public projects to get money into the hands of workers so they could hopefully turn the economy around. Long story short, money was approved and work began on the tunnel in June 1940. But then World War II came along, and all money's construction efforts went to the war effort. An interesting tidbit of information. Voters within the proposed Northern Colorado Water Conservancy District had to approve an ad valorem tax on their properties, which they did by a 17 to 1 margin. Wow, that's a 94% favorable vote. Today, it's considered an overwhelming success if a property tax increase is approved by 55% of the voters. Anyway, after the war, the project continued. Some water was delivered to the East Slope in the late 1940s, but by about 1952 or so, majority of the work was completed. This included new reservoirs on the West Slope, Shadow Mountain Reservoir in Lake Granby. Also, Horsetooth Reservoir west of Fort Collins was completed. Now the project could deliver water to the farmers who had subscribed to buying the 320,000 shares of water in the CBT project. And these shares cost the initial buyers $1.50 each. Initial projections were that one share would produce one acre foot of water. But after operating many years, on average, each share only produces 0.7 acre feet. Originally, 96% of the shares were owned by farmers. This was intended to be supplemental water to the farmers, to supplement irrigation water of their existing eastern slope diversions. 
Part of the rules established by Northern Water was that this water could only be used once. So return flows from irrigation or from city use were intended to be diverted by downstream users so that the water could be used multiple times. Although this was new water introduced to the system, because of Northern's rules that it only be once through water, is more similar to a normal diversion of water than new introduced water and cannot be used to extinction. However, if it's used once in a facility that consumes all of it, that's okay. Now, this is good, clean, high mountain water. It didn't take northern cities too long to figure out that this was a good source of drinking water. So over the years, cities began to buy up CBT shares. Plus, there's a component of storage, which meant cities wouldn't have to build additional storage to carry them through drought years. Today, I think that all but 40,000 shares are now owned by cities. And there is no water court decree needed to move CBT water from the farm to city use. This is a huge advantage to anyone wanting to acquire water to support population growth. The result? A monstrous run-up in prices being paid for CBT. It seems that a rising tide raises all boats. So this increase in CBT prices has helped raise prices of other water rights. If I had to give you a price of water rights other than CBT, I would say an average price of $60,000 an acre foot for high-priority consumptive use water would be reasonable. That price would go up if the water were drought-proof or had significant storage associated with it. Of course, water brokers know better the exact prices, and if you're looking to buy water, I encourage you to talk to a competent water broker such as Greg Campbell. Let's stop this episode. My purpose in this podcast is to provide knowledge over a wide range of water issues. If you want more information on any specific issue, Google it. There is all kinds of detailed information available, but you have to have a starting point. Maybe this podcast will provide you enough information so you can know what to search for. Before we go, did you think about which other state all the precipitation leaves the state and none enters it? Hawaii. I hope you are enjoying this podcast series. Tell me what you think. You can reach me at Tommy at NoWater.com, K-N-O-W hyphen water.com. Still lots to talk about in future episodes. But as always, I like to end with a calming effect of the sound of a small mountain stream. See you next time.